consider areas of your life you can make more purpose-filled. Although, how can we know we focus on the right stuff? Dr. Cashy explains two types of stimuli that screw up health and weight loss programs. When things happen to us, or when we make things happen, how do we keep ourselves in check? Dr. Cashy's SRO model helps. Roll the intro! And welcome to Coffee with Cashy. I am your host, Dr. Trevor Cashy. Thank you so much for your patience. All sorts of cranky tech stuff going on today right now. <laughs> you are awesome. <sighs> Today's episode revolves around the two ways you can uh, stimulate yourself, hmm? screwing up your health and weight loss plan, and specifically how... When using TK's SRO model, hmm, Linda refused to keep stimulating herself, caged that inner fat monster, caged her inner fat monster, installed, and solved that stuck like this forever problem. Or worse, keep ballooning like a tick until who knows when. And now she's back at high school status at almost 50, so that's pretty sweet. <laughs> but first, here's what you are learning. Here's what you are learning. That these two types of stimuli these two types of stimuli, we'll get into these. Screw up your health and weight loss plan, okay? That Linda was super focused on herself, but it was in all the wrong places. And how TKN's SRO model, okay, stopped her impulsive reactions and negative outcomes. By the way, if you want the SRO model to keep your fat monster from wreaking havoc, then send a direct message so you can get on the schedule and cage it. Anyway, a little background. Expectations in life, yes. First, there are two major ones. The first one is that you stay alive. Second is that you are more or less content with that life. If the expectation to survive had to be learned, then humans would have been in rough shape like super early on. What does get learned and can be relearned is striving toward desires beyond food and water to live instead of, well, not die. Doing stuff to live is much better than doing stuff to not die. Hmm? Here are the problems Linda needed to solve for that. When she was by herself, she performed her pass the time in front of the warm glow of the screen with a snack trick so that she could distract herself from the other stuff she really needed to do and how gross she felt, which means she had bloated, growing gut and panicked work days waiting for her after those times. <laughs> when she was with other people, they constantly pressured her, and she felt a quiet pressure to eat, drink, and party like them. So she avoided the insistent back and forth by just doing it. Otherwise, she had to defend herself against the irritating come-ons and the even more exhausting, well, what, are you going to be all healthy now? That type of crap, which means that she just silently suffered while all of them had a smashing good time. When she was with a few close people or even intimately involved, uh, so she could stop being anxious because she was fixated on how, how that person was definitely thinking right now about how flawed she is, which means she got all worked up and drew attention to it anyway. When she was at work, maybe in a meeting or giving a presentation so that she could bring up a valuable point saying, yeah, absolutely, this feedback obviously points to an elephant in the room. And then she heard a snicker. And after about a split second, she felt a flash of horror thinking it was about her. When she was being active and creative, using her body with an instrument, the piano in this case, or a sport, racquetball, 
she liked. She couldn't stop feeling self-conscious and couldn't stop being distracted by how she felt in her clothes, which means she ended up missing beats and screwing up swings at, of course, all the wrong times, and they all saw. They all saw. Anyway, what do you want to change to be satisfied and live instead of not die? What problems must you solve? Again, if any of these problems rile up, rile up your fat monster, then, then send a message over so you can get the schedule, get on the schedule and cage it, right? Intro, like, let, let's, let's get into how, how Linda used TCAN to solve this. So it's time, that time Linda became a private client and started using the SRO model, this SRO model here, to get integrated, which gets integrated in the back end for every TKN client. And although modified through experimentation and internal case studies, because you know these are humans versus mice, which is a big difference, okay? Uh, this was originally pioneered by Dr. Hans Selye, one of the coolest, craziest scientists to ever live. Dr. Selye is regularly touted as the actuator of modern stress science. <laughs> and as honestly as like people understand endocrinology today. Big fanboy over here. The S and the SRO stands for stimulus. So the SRO model stands for stimulus response and outcome. Now there's all sorts of other fancy stuff going on in here. We're only focusing on the, on the cool stuff that helped Linda today, okay? Stimulus, funny enough, although intuitive that it is a precursor to something else. Whoops, a response as it were. <laughs> that it, whoa, it's angry. I pushed a button. I f okay, you can do it, turn on. No, I wanted to freeze, that's fine. Okay, making sense of a stimulus, like, let's start over here. Stimulus is a precursor to something else, right? A response, imagine that. Making sense of a stimulus, on the other hand, at least for the first time, it only occurs after the response. Because you have to look back and say, what the heck just happened? <laughs> In other words, the only way to identify a stimulus is after it has stimulated you and you've started doing something about it. Boop, 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 beep. All right, once you start doing beeps and boops, technology starts working again. Something, something to keep in mind, okay? In the context of TKN, stimulus is just about anything that arouses you. Technically speaking, there are two forms of stimuli based on where they come from. There's stimuli, which is stuff that happens to you. And then there is stimuli, which is stuff that you make happen. There's stuff that happens to you, which is where your body or a drug perhaps sends a signal eventually reaching your brain. Cocaine is one. <laughs> Big temperature swings. Or, or when a little puppy bites your you-know-what when you're sleeping. All quite arousing. They also bypass the, the brains need to understand what's going on and just, uh, direct, just goes direct to arousal. <laughs> Your body just seems to respond independent of you having to understand what is going on consciously. And then there's the stuff that you make happen, which can be real or imagined. This is the fascinating stuff that Linda focused on and that you should be concerned about. This can be anything you set your mind to effectively, where you consciously interpret something in the environment or in your head as stimulating. You step on the scale. The scale goes up and then you process that information. You process that information, that is this, space between, that's this. You process that information and it may cause a change in how you think and feel. 
and that moves you into from stimulus to that space between. To pull from Linda directly, she goes, okay, Dr. Cashy, why do you get aroused by stuff like that? How is it that something like that gets you so good? It's just a number, right? And that's where things get spicy. The cognitive processing part in that space between stimulus and response is where you take the stuff from your mental and physical environment and you compare it to the stuff you would prefer to see or that you expect to see. In other words, since you consciously chose to prefer a specific result or outcome, when there is a mismatch between the result and that, that you saw and the result that you preferred or expected, that ended up getting the old fat monster riled up. <laughs> and now all those things are hanging out in the space between stimulus and response, awaiting, awaiting. What happens here? What do you do next? What do you do next? And the same thing that happens with the stuff that happens to you. For instance, you amplify stimuli that come from the environment. If something happens to you, you can then take that and re-stimulate it and amplify it. When say you sit down, this is an example from her, where, where you sit down and feel an odd pain in your waist below the belly button, this kind of irritated skin, and you look down and see that the skin from your lower stomach is folded over the waistband and it's getting irritated by the button on your pants. And as, as she processed that result in the space between, as she processed that result by doing the comparison with what she would prefer to see versus what actually happened, she sensically decided that this mild irritation is now a full-blown threat because now she was reminded that, again, she had to go out to that section of the store and had to scrutinize herself in that mirror in the little closet to make sure everyone at work can't see it. <sighs> After going through that process and just the process of understanding that stimulus, Linda made absolutely massive changes. <laughs> just understanding, just understanding stepwise what was going on in the environment and how she was interpreting that information and how it was literally arousing her nervous system, which was impacting the space between stimulus and response, her thoughts, feelings. It was all getting worked up because her nervous system was all aroused, okay? She made ma absolutely massive changes in her belief system, how she arranged her environment, how she got feedback from people in her environment. It was all intuitive once she understood how that was happening. And there are still other parts of the SRO model that can keep her results flowing. There's still the response side, there's still the outcome side, there's still the belief system, the like there's still other things, but that's all she needed, that one thing. In other words, the basis of her appraisal came from her current beliefs. They came from her current beliefs. Now the beliefs come from the stimulus response, outcome, probability, feedback, so like all the stuff feeding into it is where your beliefs come from, okay? But they stem the sort of, they stem the sort of stimuli you have and how you respond to it. So, what she wanted, what she preferred, what she expected, in this case, a flat stomach when she sat in those dang pants, indeed the stuff that she want, when it was blocked, when the stuff you want is blocked, it creates an arousing stimuli, which makes sense. Therefore, this is the precursor to the stuff that makes you miserable. This is the precursor to the stuff that makes your, makes your fat monster run around and throw a tantrum and be crazy. It makes sense, right? Again, when you're blocked from the stuff you want, it sucks because you're too far out from the preferred result, thus inciting Linda's desire to change and stay changed when she understood that process. 
So here's what you've learned. The two types of stimuli screwing up your health and weight loss plan, one is stimuli from the environment that then you amplify internally. And then there's stimuli that just comes from the inside or stuff that happens to you and you interpret it as a threat or you interpret it as ugly and you interpret it as stressful. And then you go on to that cascade of stimulus response and outcome, okay? How Linda was super focused on herself, but it was all in the wrong place. She was focused on herself, that's for sure. And how Linda amazingly only needed to use the S part of TCAN's SRO model to stop her impulsive reactions and negative outcomes. So if you're interested in becoming a TCAN private client, then go to trevorcashnutrition.com, send a message, leave a comment, because Dr. Cashy gets back to all of them. Want to continue having coffee with Dr. Cashy? Head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It is very much appreciated. Thank you, and see you next week. Dr. Cashy is out! <laughs>